The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. You know, the Buddha, this was his first real teaching. And um, it was right after his full awakening. And after he you know, had this awakening experience and this insight to how the mind works, um, he first was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to teach. No way. Like, what's the, there's too many, no, people are not going to get it. It's just going to be confusing. And, and then, you know, so the story goes, some celestial beings came to him and pleaded him to teach. And so he, he thought, you know, he sort of considered, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll do this. And, um, and, uh, and then he thought, well, but who should I teach to? If I'm gonna, if I'm willing to do this, who should I teach to? And who will understand the Dharma? Who will understand this? And so, you know, he was having his own crisis, really, around what to do next in his practice, in his life. And he remembered for five people that he had done a lot of practice with. And he thought, They'll, I can talk to them. I can teach them. And so he did. He went and he taught them. And they did understand. And that is what they say set. They call it rolling. The, the wheel of the Dharma set was set in motion. That that was the beginning of this wheel that we're, we're benefiting from now. Is that very first his way of understanding the mind, which we'll talk about around the Four Noble Truths and suffering and life and this wheel of life and the way to freedom. So I feel grateful personally that um, that he was, you know, convinced to teach and that he had people that he could teach who could understand. So he felt like it was, you know, a worthy, a worthy endeavor. So, just to plant the seeds of inspiration and kind of the history, the the poignancy of this particular teaching. Sandra, will you do a guided meditation for us? Uh, So, I'll invite you to find a comfortable posture. I'm going to do a around 20 minutes meditation so just feel comfortable and that you can really soften your body if you want to bring some movement first the shoulders the head just let your body move in the way it needs to move before we settle down I'm taking a couple of deep breaths inhaling by the nose and exhaling by the mouth. And I'll invite you to feel the contact with the floor. Notice the contact with the chair.
the touch of your hands on the legs and just really feel your body here noticing the weight of the body Maybe going from head to toe. Noticing the muscles of the face and with the exhalation, inviting to soften, to release. Allowing the shoulders to get away from the ears and maybe falling a little backwards. Perhaps breathing becomes a little easier. Noticing the chest and the belly. And softening. Noticing any holding. perhaps with the exhale inviting to ah, to soften to release It may be that the breathing becomes more clear. And bring your attention to that place in your body where breathing is more clear to you. not about thinking about the breathing but just sensing it in the body noticing what happens with the in-breath and how, what do you feel with the exhale with the out-breath
And it's not about kind of becoming a monitor of your breathing, but resting on the breathing, relaxing, softening with the breathing. There's nothing to do or nothing to change. It's just resting your awareness on your breathing, in your breathing. Every time you notice the mind is distracted, because it will happen, just bring it back. It's an invitation to get back to the body, to the sensations of breathing. If the breathing doesn't feel right for you, you could bring the attention to the sensations in your hands. Or the contact with the chair or the floor.
when you get distracted. Notice what is your attitude. Are you annoyed by the distraction or or you like it very much and you just get lost? It's so nice to get lost. Just noticing what the mind does. Perhaps you're back to a discussion this morning or planning for tomorrow. Or some achiness in the body, some worry, some fear. whatever you find allow it to be there you don't have to change it or fix it or ignore it just allow it to be there Acknowledge the distraction, the boredom, the sleepiness, 
that little ache, just acknowledge it. There's nothing to change or fix. And come back to your breathing, to your hands. And if the mind feels concentrated, if it's easy to keep the attention on the breathing, just enjoy that. Notice it too.
And also notice that what was distracting you a few minutes ago, it's maybe gone. And there's a new distraction now. Just notice it. Noticing your body. How does the distraction or or the concentration express in the body?
And I wonder if there was anything in particular that came up to you. How did it feel? Were you distracted, very distracted? Were you very focused? <laughs> Could you pass the microphone back? Um, good evening, everyone. Hello, Tonya. Hello, Sandra. Um, I noticed, um, I tried to have just the resting of the awareness of the breathing, and then yeah, I, hadn't, I haven't been to IMC in a while, so it's, it's nice and cozy. And <laughs> I was, I found myself, I was going like this, and, and then I'm like, I fell asleep. And then, but then I was kind of not nice about it, and i like, okay, well... I was dozing off, so I just opened my eyes and. But I, you know, I, I started this meditation journey with Tanya, and never in my wildest dreams did I think I could sit for 20 minutes comfortably. Because before, in the beginning, I was like, I can't do this. And then Richard showed me how to sit like this, and it's all coming together, even if I'm dozing off a bit. So it's okay, it's, it's all good. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Very nice. Something else? Did you happen to see your mind going everywhere? Yes, it was <laughs> very much yeah. so. And um, the breathing, just trying to focus on that and mm -hmm. not strain. I still find that even doing this, or at least trying to dedicate every day to, to it, or I found myself doing more five minutes. It's just to, but you know, every day trying to be consistent and. It's just kind of upsetting when I still feel like even though I'm like my body is comfortable in this position, my my mind is still very much everywhere yeah. else, and it I can I I know what I'm thinking about. It's yeah. I'm very much aware of it. I just have to yeah. let it be, and that's not easy. And, and softening, like being comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I was. You can be alert, but comfortable. Yes. So it yes. helps. Yes. Ah, so like you relax the body, the mind also. Yes. Relax. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the Anybody else? Any, any thoughts? Any observations? Hi. Um, for myself, I, I noticed things are becoming a little bit more <clears throat> routine, mm -hmm. getting into the practice of the meditation. It's almost like a walk in the park, whereas before I would try and hurry up the 30 minutes, like are we, or, or, or you know, 20 minutes or whatever, like is it the time yet? And uh, now yeah. I'm more kind of accepting, you know, 20 minutes or 15 minutes will pass when 20 minutes or 15 minutes pass. You can't have it fast or slow, mm -hmm. um, 20 minutes or 15 minutes. But um, every once in a while, I'll have thoughts come up and I'll push them aside that was embarrassing that thing that happened way back when or something but um, every once in a while something will come up that's kind of important I, oh I forgot about that I should probably <laughs> get to that eventually <laughs> so those ones kind of um, will hamper me a little bit more uh, what I call more important kind of uh, yeah. just random thoughts but for yeah. the most part now it's not as judgmental when things come up I just sort of brush them aside Nice. Yeah, just, oh, look at that. I have forgotten about it. <laughs> like, okay, I'll take care of that later. But yeah, no, that's very nice. It's the attitude also that matters. 
Um, yeah, thank you. I would just... Okay, for me to... Go ahead, yes. I, I think there's just two two examples right here that I'll start with that exemplify um, creating, a, a, you know, less suffering for yourselves, both of you, the way you shared. So the first noble truth is, and the Pali term is, there is dukkha. And dukkha is widely translated as suffering, often referenced as suffering. But actually, when you look at the Pali word and you look at the different ways to define it, it, it's extremely broad range of experience from subtle irritation, stress to, um, you know, distress to pain to agony. (laughs) It's this huge, huge range of experience. And there's a a simile that the Buddha gave about um, the arrow. You you probably have heard this simile, some of you, but um, in explaining suffering um, or dukkha, one of the things that the Buddha pointed to was if you got shot with an arrow, would it be painful? Yes, right? Now, if you got shot with a second arrow, would that be more painful? Imagine, yes, twice as much pain. going to be more painful. And a third and a fourth, right? So, much of our suffering, much of our dukkha, is like the second, third, fourth, fifth, to hundredth arrow. It's the, it's the added psychological stress that we put on ourselves. So, and Rose, your decision not to trip out about your mind wandering or falling asleep was an example of deciding, I'm not going to keep shooting arrows at myself. That was a, a beautiful example of not continuing to contribute to our difficulty. And yours example of not tripping out about fast, slow, things completely out of our control, but we often try and control that which is out of our control. And it creates stress. That might be a more subtle, irritating, pressure kind of stress, but it's stress. And the the experience, the opposite experience of just going, oh, okay, well, it's going to be 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is, there's kind of a freedom in that. And that's the kind of freedom that the Buddha wanted to teach us about. And um, my, I feel like my practice changed completely when my relationship to dukkha changed. When my relationship to dukkha changed, the whole practice changed. And dukkha essentially became, for me, a very, very useful feedback mechanism. I also liken it to a, you know, my relationship to using a compass. We use the compass to help us find our way. We use the experience or absence of dukkha to help us know if we are on the path, if we are practicing. So, if I look at a, um, if I am experiencing that the kind of stress that is dukkha, the optional suffering, right, of 
the ways we make things much harder for ourselves. It's like looking at a compass. And the compass says, keep going this way and you're going to suffer more. <laughs> right? It's telling you right there, this is the way to more suffering. You know? So if you want to go that way, keep going this way. <laughs> and my option is to stop and reorient and sort of decide how I want to proceed, what the next step will be, whether it will be toward more suffering or away from suffering, toward less suffering. Um, and feedback, like, it, you know, really, um, what was I thinking? Oh, pain. Okay. So if you get a cut on your hand and it hurts, what does that mean to you? How do you relate to the cut hurting? Like in a really simple way. Like, what's the purpose of your hand hurting if you get cut? There's the mic. Do you mind just... Uh, It's not on. Sorry, Ash. Just for the body to know that this is something, let it rest, let it heal, leave it alone, give it care. Right. It's, it's really uh, pretty simple, actually. If we don't know we're being cut, we're not going to stop what we're doing that's causing harm. Right? Like, if it doesn't hurt, haven't you ever been cutting your not known that you were put, doing something that was causing your body to be hurt if it doesn't hurt if we don't have that feedback we don't know the body is going to get injured and so if we if we are if we can see that the function of suffering dukkha is the same as the function function of pain from hurting ourselves we can start to be all of a sudden, yes, it's unpleasant, but oh my gosh, I'm really grateful I'm recognizing this. Because just like I want to take care of my body, I want to take care of my mind and my heart. So it's feedback in that very same way. It's just that. It's like, how I think it's kind of a miracle that there's some sort of internal system it gives us feedback when we are moving in the direction of, of harming ourselves or others. So, the Buddha... Um... Oh, please. Thank you. Thank you. What if you're, like, getting feedback and it's constructive? Yeah. And then you know it's... You know it's good for you, like you get cut, you have to rest your hand, but what if it's something that you have to deal with and mm-hmm. you like let it define you even though you know you shouldn't? And it's like, especially with work, dumb, you know, work mm. stuff. So it's supposed to make, you be- make me better, but it sucks. In my, you know. Well, it all, I mean, I think, um, you know, this is complicated, right? Relationships are complicated. Our relationship to work is complicated. Um, 
without the more specifics, I don't know how to, to respond, but I would love to have that conversation with you, you know, um, and hopefully we can flush it out a little bit more here over this period of time. That's, yes, bring your examples. Let's do it. Um, yeah. So let me tell you just a few more key points about the Buddhist teachings around this um, particular, you know, Mitra started, she named the Four Noble Truths. So just to remind you, there is Dukkha, there is the cause of Dukkha, there is the end of Dukkha, and there is the way to the ending of all Dukkha. It's, it's very much like a medical diagnostic tool, right? There's, it's very similar to how medicine works in terms of diagnoses. And so the dukkha is like the symptom that you go to a doctor with. This is the symptom I have, doctor. Okay, the doctor then says, this is the cause of that suffering, that whatever, right? And then there's the ending of that particular illness, hopefully, if we're lucky, <laughs> right? But this is for our working with our minds and our hearts and with others in our life and our conditioning. So... Um, his, this is his first teaching. This is setting the wheel of the Dharma emotion. It, you know, the, the Buddha, and sometimes people will say, I, I, teach, I only teach suffering in the end of suffering. But I think the, probably the real quote is closer to, I teach dukkha and the end of dukkha. And it's not that that's the only thing he teaches, but that is primary to what he teaches. Many things he teaches, but they're all in service, really, of the end of dukkha. So it, keep, it keeps this particular teaching at the center of everything he teaches. Sort of a very, very center of it. Um, and another important thing about the way the Buddha taught and about these teachings as well is that this is not like a creed or something that you're meant to like just believe in. It really is, is, it's like you can believe that it hurts to get a cut, but it's, that's theoretical. We have to pay attention to when it hurts. So it's, it's the same idea that this, this is a teaching to be incorporated to use as a guide for us in, in everything we do, in all, of, all forms of our practice, all forms of our life. Another um, way to think about this is that, um, you know, the, the, well, I think I'll leave that alone. I think I'm going to just see. Yeah. So, let let me shift to like that relationship right to this suffering to dukkha like so how do we start to be to welcome welcome when we recognize we're suffering and that's almost a opposite of what our instinct is when it comes to emotional suffering. Physically, not so much. I mean, sometimes we do. We override, right? Some people more than others. But when it comes to emotional or psychological suffering, 
a lot of us collapse or just kind of keep trying to go and ignore it. Um, kind of trying to like, it's like almost like we want to make convince ourselves or the world that we it's not really happening. And somehow we don't have to give in to this. Like there's something really um, weird. I, th- I find it weird that that's our relationship to suffering, to hurt, to pain, to distress. So really starting to be curious about what, what is your pattern? What is your relationship to noticing when you're having a hard time, when you're having dukkha? What is your, this is your conditioned, the nature of conditioning, right? Is you can start to notice in your relationship to suffering so much about yourself, so much about how your mind has adapted and work, is working. And then in that space, you can start to like, oh, well, I don't really have to do it that way. So, one, um, one way that I like to think about this is, you know, on 92, Highway 92 and 101, when you're driving on the highway, actually on 92, as you're going into Half Moon Bay, in the middle of the road, there's rumble strips. And then along the side, there's these rumble strips. And rumble strips are those things that when you drive over them, your car goes, really vibrates and it's loud and it's quite abrupt. And so to me, it's almost like that's, that's dukkha. You know, you, we're on the path, we're driving, we're on the road. And, you know, we start, we, we wander out of our lane. You know, and and then, you know, it's like <laughs> the dukkha happens. And sometimes it's really abrupt and loud and irritating. And you can be like, oh, I remember plenty of times driving on freeways and on the sides feeling, ah, why is it, you know, like very irritated. And that's maybe the natural initial response. It's totally fine. But then, like, if we step back and we go, oh, wait a minute. Like, I was looking at the ocean instead of the road. If I had just kept wandering, I would have been off the road. I would be in the ditch. And so, can I be grateful that 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 experience happened? So that, you know, that it woke me up, that it brought me back to the path to paying attention to where I was and not wandering off. So, um, am I supposed to be done at 7.20? Yeah. Okay. So we'll say one more little thing, which is that um, it can be very helpful to think about um, that there is biological, physical suffering, that that's just innate part of life. Like, you know, we're, gonna die, we're born, we age, we get sick we die. These are, this is just kind of this biological fact of being a human. And then there's psychological stuff, suffering. And psychological suffering stems from our reactivity to whatever is happening. It's all about the reactivity. The judgments, the, which is a reaction. The not liking it, which is a reaction. The wanting more of it, which is a reaction. 
And so it can be helpful to kind of think about suffering in those two terms. And we can go further into looking at sort of the psychological suffering and psychological suffering that's based in identity, me, mine. This is about me. It's personal. Um, And it also can be about interpersonal issues, about, you know, our relationship to somebody, how they're going to see us now, or what we really want them to be doing instead of what they're doing. That's an interpersonal form of suffering. And then you could also think about systemic suffering, which is where you might think about, you know, um, institutionalized racism, things that are kind of on a grander scale incorporated into a system or society that oppress women in Iran. In my view, it's oppression, right? But, of course, that's my view, and I think a lot of women in Iran feel that way right now. They're telling us. so, And that's been institutionalized, right? It's become systemic. Um, so... So there's different... This, this is said to say... And kind of trying to help you start to look at and differentiate the ways that dukkha might be showing up in your life. Yeah. I was thinking as you were speaking that the Four Noble Truths is kind of the Buddha deconstructing suffering. So first you have to see it, then you understand where it's coming from. You know that it is, okay, I can can be there's an end to it and then it offers you uh, not a recipe but a path to follow that will help you with it and I think as you were saying if we don't see it if we don't become aware of that we're suffering and suffering can be kind of a strong word if you are annoyed if you are uncomfortable uh, if you don't notice it there's nothing we can do about it I think it's in our Biology uh, kind of plays against us in that sense uh, because we, in our brain and, and evolution and everything, you, we are biased towards looking for what's pleasant, to what's good, and it's just plain survival. Um, we're going to be aversive to things that are, make us uncomfortable, that... Uh, we need to look for food, we need to look to be warm, we like to be in community, things like that. And then it's like the uh, suffering that we society imposes over us, the way we were educated, where we grew up. If you look at the publicity, for example, um, you deserve it. It's like be unhappy or be unwell or be anxious or... Feeling fear, it's, it's a big no, no, like no, like everything has to be perfect. So in a way, so we have the biology and plus uh, all the people that profit on us <laughs> because it's human nature uh, to suffer in a way. So uh, I'm going to maybe give you some tips uh, that you could, like practices that you could do on your day-to-day. Um, I mentioned during the meditation to notice the attitude because a lot of this practice is how we do it. It's not 
so much what we do, but how, what is the attitude that we have. So for what I'm going to invite you to do at some point during the week when you feel like, um, is to bring a very kind, curious awareness. So like, huh, look at that. I hadn't seen that before. Like, I didn't know I reacted like that all the time. Like, we, we have all those patterns and habits. And we may not like them when we start noticing them. It's like, ooh, I'm not, I'm not a good person or things like that. We, we can go really to the extreme. So the invitation is to bring kindness and curiosity. And curiosity, like, for example, you go to a place for a new hike, that you have never been before. There's trees you have never seen before. The terrain is different. So look, you are really looking very carefully where you put your, your feet, like, uh, I'm going to climb there. So you're very careful and, like, watching. Oh, I hadn't seen that tree. Oh, look at those flowers. So it's like, let, let's check. this something new in ourselves. So it's a visit. It's an internal hike in a way. I think the the very first thing, uh, kind of the, uh, oh, the other thing is the exercises, like big suffering, like somebody dies, Um, we have a problem at at work, Um, we are in an accident, we twist our ankle, those are like, whoa, you very quickly realize that you're suffering. But there's other type of suffering that they're not so obvious for, for the reason I was telling you. Sometimes we just don't want to see it. It's like, you know, I'm good, I'm happy, I'm well. Everybody likes me. Um, you're in a group with friends and you're all smiles and things like that, isn't it? So that, it's that little suffering, that little annoyance that we tend to forget. And that's what I'm going to invite you to notice. And it's because, like going to the gym, you're not going to start lifting the 20, 50 pounds. Let's just start with the three pounds, the five pounds. And that's day-to-day suffering. So let's say once a day, you sit down and the purpose is put 10 minutes aside and notice what am I feeling? What is making me uncomfortable? And just like curiosity, like I just noticed, for example, that my ankle is my, I just twisted my foot several months ago and he said, oh, my foot is still hurting. Like that kind of suffering. Because I, am I ever going to get well? Is, am I going to be free of this pain someday? Like I started like going like, oh, look at that. That's Duca. <laughs> um, you have a, dis- you had a discussion with a coworker, with family member or something like that. And you're still running that scenario in your head. And you're telling yourself, I should have said that. Tomorrow I'm going to let them know and things like that. That's Duca. So just sit down and see, hmm, let's see what kind of things are going on in my mind. And notice it. No, not with the intention of going and fix it. Just see it. Like, wow. And I think we all have the tendency, we see something wrong and we want to go and fix it. it. Okay, we need to do something here. So notice what you do to fix it, to, to make it better, to hide it. Um, 
Sometimes we don't see the suffering. We see what we do to cover the suffering. So notice that too. Like you're waiting in line, what's the first thing you do? You take your cell phone and start browsing. Like with no particular reason, with no purpose at all. It's like, notice that. So notice the suffering or notice what you're doing to hide it. And suffering is a strong word here. The annoyance, the... Uh, you're bored, it's like, oh my gosh, do I have to wait? DMV, for example, things like that. What do you do? And then like, hmm, why am I doing this? Like you just start browsing, look at your, I don't know, your Facebook or whatever social platform you utilize. So what, what is, why am I doing? Why am I doing this? Start noticing those things. And again, do it with kindness. And like, wow, look at that. I'm, I'm just, I'm not doing anything. I just took it out, like, automatically. Uh, how many times do we check our email, like, every minute? It's like, I, I assure you, there's no new email. <laughs> and we do it over and over. Like, so, oh, what is, what is behind that? What is it that I'm trying to get distracted from? And see what happens. Um, yeah. The other thing is, okay, the more noticeable uh, annoyance, discomfort, like it's so obvious that you're seeing it. So first, what I was saying during the meditation, relax your body, take a couple of deep breaths, like, oh, can I relax my body? It's not going to fix the dukkha, but it's going to help you be better with it face it and then maybe try to investigate a little bit like the example the discussion that you had with a co-worker in the morning and you're going over and over and I should have said that uh, I'm going to tell my boss like we go into all these loops yeah we add the second arrow the third arrow the fourth arrow so when you notice that you're in that situation, could you separate what was like the pain, what, what causing you to be hurt or be sad or be annoyed? What was the cause? And then what is what you're adding on top of it? Can you separate the, the two things? And again, is observation. What the invitation right now is observe, see what's happening. And it may be that just by noticing things tend to soften a little bit. Things tend to relax a little bit. What Tanya was saying, too, about this, um, we, we don't, oftentimes we don't suffer in isolation, so something happens, and so we have the event, uh, and then it's because you really like that co-worker, you get along so well, and then you got so... that what they say to you was so hurting and so terrible and it's also oh wow it's my relationship with this person so don't look at yourself in isolation but oh wow it's my relationship to other people that really comes to play I think like family relationships with our partners with our sons with our parents uh, those are complicated relationships so can we separate what was that happened 
what is that I am adding on top of that, and recognize that it's maybe that relationship that makes it very difficult. I think, yeah, I do. I want to make sure we have leave time for the small groups. Great. Well, that's a perfect warm up for the breakout groups, actually. So, um, what we what we like to do, assuming you're willing, <laughs> is probably to break you up into two groups. So, two groups of four, and um, and have you share in that in those groups personal examples that you feel comfortable sharing. So, don't share what you don't feel comfortable sharing. And you don't have a lot of time, so not all the details, but just this kind of a brief sketch of. Some examples for you, maybe think about big suffering and then a small suffering. Big dukkha, small dukkha. And also maybe what is a psychological or what is an interpersonal dukkha? What's a, what's a personal dukkha? Like kind of can you come up with any questions about those or examples of them and see if you can help each other kind of identify by hearing from each other. And sharing in that way. Are you in agreement with willingness to do these great? Okay. And so I tend to suggest people not go into a, a group with someone they know well. So you feel free to share. And, um, you know, so I just leave it to you to maybe make a group on this side of the room and a group on that side of the room. Um, four people per group. And go ahead and... Uh, Yeah, that would be awesome.